The world isn't simple anymore. And on the Walden Pond podcast, your host, anti-fraud expert Vince Walden, is talking to experts about the technology and compliance trends you need to know about to keep your compliance and fraud detection programs relevant. If you're looking for insights that are practical, timely, and innovative, welcome to The Pond. Well, welcome to The Pond. I'm your host, Vincent Walden, coming to you on the Compliance Podcast Network. With me is Diraj Thamal, Global Director of Ethics and Compliance at Anheuser-Busch InBev, or AB InBev. So welcome, Diraj. Thank you, Vince. Glad to be here. Glad to have you on the show. And, you know, as in our normal course, I'd like to start out with our quote from Thoreau. This one's going to be a little different because, Diraj, given our technology discussion and compliance, I think computers and algorithms might soon someday take over. <laughs> Thoreau wrote many years ago when he wrote Civil Disobedience. In fact, he opened up with the motto, government is best, which governs least. He says, indeed, men, or I'll say people now, will someday be able to have a government that does not govern at all, as it is government rarely proves useful and efficient. Well, again, he had strong feelings about government, but perhaps someday there'll be less government and more algorithms and compliance technology. What do you think about that? In my view, I look at algorithms and technology as our partners, they're not threats. So if we can kind of train them correctly, I guess they will definitely be very good partners in driving a lot of efficiency that you know humans can from a cognitive perspective, but technology would do it much better. Yeah, it doesn't replace people, you're right, it augments and that's so true. So how about this, let's start out I like to give the audience a little bit about your background and how you got to be in this really cool role at AB InBev. Thank you, Vince. So I really started in my career in EY Forensics in 2011. I started working in your group, the Forensic Data Analytics Practice. When I was right out of grad school, I was not really looking for a job in forensics, but it was a job that was foolproof of like getting laid off in most cases. And, you know, that's what got me there. But what has driven me after that is very different. So how I came to be in AB InBev, I was, you know, working in EUI and AB InBev was one of our clients. And part of that, I kind of started at my secondment with AB InBev. And it was soon I realized in AB InBev that something I really liked about the company is how ambitious and challenging they were. And the second is how bold they were in the everyday jobs. And what really like for me to come into the compliance team are these few things. One is how innovative and data-driven they were. And the second thing, they were always pushing boundaries. Because through my journey, you know, we worked with a few other companies as well. But something that I saw that I really liked in AB and Bev was the passion for innovation, regardless of what group you were, but the passion for innovation. And that's kind of how my role came to be. And something special about my role in AB and Bev is, you know, they had made a decision that they want to introduce a data analyst in the basically the legal group. And that's how my role came to be. So it was a special role that they had to create in AB and Bev. And I was really excited to be the first person in the role also to bring in a lot of the analytics perspective to the legal group. Yeah, you're a you're a, a senior person in the compliance team and you're not a lawyer. <laughs> Go figure. That's awesome. So on that, you know, as a data, I'm going to call you a data-driven compliance professional because that's what you're advocating. 
Can you describe some of your key focus areas and some of your day-to-day functions as part of the InBev compliance team? Sure. So in the compliance team, we have several compliance technology, BrewRide definitely being one of the biggest compliance uh, analytics solution, and a lot of our time is actually spent there. But how I like to really divide my day is I really focus very much my first half of the day or a little less than half of the day, kind of speaking to our users. We have separate discussions with our users, just kind of understanding what type of risks they're looking for, how is the tool helping them identify the risk? How can we do better? And this happens with a series of meetings or emails where we have this communication. So I spend a lot of time being close to our users because what we cannot forget is we can have the best tools, but if we don't have consumers to consume our tool, we're not going to get far. So my first and foremost, I spend a lot of time kind of interacting with our users and because we're a global company, it starts early morning with APAC and kind of really ends in the evening with like, you know, either a Brazil or a middle America or the U.S. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're busy indeed. Well, many of our listeners are familiar with the well-known compliance monitoring program, BrewRight, which is what you're overseeing. Can you kind of summarize what is BrewRight? And more importantly, what are some of the compliance innovations that you're working on with BrewRight that you can perhaps share with the audience? So BrewRight, in simple words, is the compliance analytics solution in AB InBev. But what makes it very unique and special to us is it has 15 different apps and compliance workflows in 60 different countries. And it collects basically data from 16 different ERP systems. And the underlying algorithms are actually basically fed by five machine learning models that kind of power five different apps. But how it all comes together is what is so important because at the end, it's all about the outcome, right? It's not so much about the tool as it's about the outcome and how we use the tool to get that outcome. So for us, and first and foremost, it continuously monitors compliances, which is very big because we're moving away from the reactive side of compliance to a proactive side. And during COVID, this has helped tremendously because we don't have to have like accountants and lawyers fly into different parts of the world, we have a good view of the risk right in front of us because we really built this and we were ready for it during the uncircumstance things about pandemic that had to come and we're ready for it. The second is how we're managing investigation. And the third is also how we basically allocate our resources effectively in different geographies. And it's all risk-based. I call it, you know, I have that term, I call it sometimes desktop auditing when you can do a lot of the field work or you can have transparency into the business from your desktop and from the interface. And that's kind of the, the ultimate in compliance. So it's very cool what you're doing there. Yeah, so, the thing that's important, Vince, is sure. also, you know, even our compliance officers have one hour, right? The risk base come into perspective very much there. Because if you have one hour, where do you focus your attention? So I think the prioritization process really helps. Yeah. And I think your, the risk scoring algorithms are really fascinating. And now, when you think about a, a lot of the compliance professionals I talk to, they're not incorporating analytics, but they want to. And they just don't know where to get started. And could you give some advice to those compliance professionals that aren't using dashboards or data analytics or looking at payments or looking at you know sales or travel and entertainment, et cetera? What would you recommend are some low-hanging fruit to how they get started? How does one even get started on the analytics journey for compliance? So in my view, it's all about defining what's that low-hanging fruit. 
And I do it in few ways. So whenever we look at low-hanging fruit, we were constantly trying to innovate and this low-hanging fruit is very important, is how can we control the uncertainties, right? Because when you work, you don't want to deal with a lot of uncertainties, but how can you control your uncertainty? Second is what is the problem at hand you're trying to solve? And finally, how can technology be an enabler in building the impact and how can the impact kind of be an immediate impact and have a long-term impact in solving that problem. But the most important point I think is how you can control your uncertainties because most people when they start in this journey, they don't really know what their uncertainties are and the uncertainties become too large that they can't control it. And then it kind of just gives them a bad taste of flavor. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, I've heard Matt Galvin, who you work with, talk about the concept of this data sharing consortium and taking the successes of Brewright and collaborating with other companies. Can you describe what that vision is and how companies might someday get involved? So this is a very interesting piece and we're very excited to what we're going to do with the C2C network. And what we really, it stands for is compliance to compliance network. And we're very excited. So the main reason we kind of thought about it is, you know, within AB InBev, we have five different machine learning models. But the challenge with the models is the models are good, but in the second iteration of the models, the frequent thing we ask and your machine learning data scientists ask is, we don't wouldn't have enough training data. So how can we amplify the training data to have more in quantity? And Matt and I were thinking about this quite a bit and we were like, how do we solve this problem? And then it came to the idea about what we, our machine learning model looks at is what is just exactly within the four walls of AB and BAF. But we, corruption is a larger problem. And it's a problem that we want to solve for everybody. And how everybody can solve it is by coming together. So the great thing about this consortium is we can work together to solve corruption and reduce corruption and increase transparency without sharing data. We utilize the underlying features and then allow these features to basically provide better insights of risk. And this kind of gets fed back into those individual member companies. And to your question, how can member companies come together? Currently, we are kind of working on a minimal viable product with two partners who are licensed to kind of come and work with it. But what we want to do after that is kind of increase it for members, regardless of the industry, to come and join us. That's awesome. And, and I think about what are the, the models that you're building around high-risk vendors or which ones you know, might need to go through additional due diligence or what's an improper payment. These models are fascinating. So I'm super excited about what's to come on that. And we have time for one last question. And this is one I'd like to kind of for you to speak to the, to the audience in terms of what advice you might have for legal and compliance professionals as they look at their 2021 or 2022 goals for the year, how might they become kind of, I'll say, rock stars like you? Thank you, Vince. I take the rock star as a compliment. (laughs) So I think the first and foremost is I think technology is everywhere and data is everywhere. And the two important things is how do you harness it together? And harnessing to me, what it really means is what's the problem at hand you want to resolve? The second point on that is to understand the impact. And the impact can be now or in the long term. Because I don't look at technology as solving the problem, but it's always an enabler to bring in better value to solve the problem. 
And finally, I think what we need to do, and I've seen this in different groups, is we don't build it and leave it there for the rest of the year. Anything you build as a solution needs to evolve. And for us to evolve, we need to innovate. So I think those topics are very important as people kind of think to getting into this and getting their feet wet, is to kind of keep these core points in mind. And on a personal note for me, I think what's really helped me, you know, to the term and the compliment you provided as a rock star, I as a professional, even though I'm a data scientist and I work with a lot of lawyers, the key is being able to understand the lawyers. The key is to be able to understand the legal perspective. You could be a technology professional, but it's so important to understand the business and the value for the business. So I look at these two things, which is very beneficial for me. One is demystifying complex problems and driving solutions. Second is kind of taking the visionary that, you know, in our case, our visionary is Matt Galvin and a lot of our technology implementations and kind of making a lot of his vision into a reality, right? And all of this only really happens for us is because we have a great team that supports us in bringing this and definitely the leadership of John, Katie and Matt, you know, for trusting us in making this happen. Well, that's awesome, Diraj. Thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm super excited to see well, what the future of BrewRight's going to hold and the contributions that it's made to uh, so much already. But what's down the road for this consortium and seeing other companies get involved. So I appreciate your time on the pond with me today. And uh, we'll definitely invite you and uh, perhaps Matt Galvin on in the future. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Vince, for this opportunity and great chatting. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.